Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and I am joined by my partner, Bob Lucius. Bob, how's it going? And uh, it's going great, Rick. I, I mean, I can't believe we're, uh, we're almost through, what, what, nine of these? This, I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, it's, uh, time flies when you're having fun, and we've been having a lot of fun, so uh it, it's been great and thanks to all the listeners out there we appreciate uh the fact that you guys are not only listening but you're subscribing in some cases supporting you're calling in you're leaving messages you're rating thanks so much for that it's been a lot of fun and we're going to continue to keep doing this and uh you know this episode uh is going to be a little different this episode we're going to do a top 10 list and um you know speaking of of feedback from the listeners, uh, one of our um, members of our Facebook group, the Captain America Comic Book Fans Facebook group, uh, his name is Stephen W. Penimpede, and uh, you know he's a great member on there, uh, contributes a lot. He uh, he did leave a recommendation on uh, doing a top ten list, and he gave a couple thoughts, and we figured, yeah, absolutely, and we got a lot of feedback from the members in the Facebook group, and and several people left messages, which we'll get to. Uh, in this particular episode. When we're talking about a top 10 list, right, there's certainly uh, all different kinds that we can do, but we figured, you know, hey, let's start with the the one I think that everybody wants to hear and, and chime in on, and that is the top 10 Captain America villains. However, I mean, do we really need to include Red Skull in this? I mean, I, isn't he number one hands down? I mean, is there any debate on that, Bob? No, I don't think there is. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Red Skull exists in a category of his own. And uh, in fact, I think he would demand it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, maybe we'll do that uh, one day. We're certainly going to be talking about Red Skull plenty, but not in this episode, because uh, I think it's, uh, we, we all understand he's number one. So this is our top 10 Captain American villains that are not named Red Skull. And so let's talk about the criteria, right? Uh, let's talk about what it takes to make this top 10 list. So for me, I'm saying that, you know, they can't just be a flash in the pan, right? They need staying power. They need, they need to be uh, somebody who's been a thorn in Captain America's side for quite some time. Um, and I'm not saying one and dones aren't great villains because they can be. It's just not the criteria I'm looking for in the top 10. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I think that's a reasonable criteria, right? I mean, because uh, uh, man, there are uh, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of villains that have uh, crept into Captain America lore over the years, but uh, we're really interested, I think, in uh, in those that have really, as you said, been a thorn in Cap's side. Right, and and also let's let's another part of the criteria is it's just individuals only, right? I mean. Yeah, groups out there have been uh, absolutely big time part of the Captain America mythos. Groups like Hydra, AIM, uh, later on, groups like uh, the Serpent Society, even even the Watchdogs, right? I mean, there's plenty of groups out there that we, we could explore, but eh, we just want to stick with the individuals. Yeah, yeah. And again, another reasonable uh, criteria. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and I got to tell you, I think uh, I, I think another criteria is uh, 
uh, and it's a squishy one, I admit this, that uh, we, you know, we differentiate between villains and bad guys. And I, and I do think there's a difference, Rick. I think, you know, a villain is, is somebody with an evil intent, you know, an evil heart and uh, is, is, is irredeemable. But, you know, bad guys, uh, bad guys, sometimes they cross over the line into villainy, but bad guys don't necessarily uh, have an evil intent. They just have, you know, a criminal mind. So, and there's been plenty of bad guys over the years and bad girls, I should say, that have uh, crossed over to the, you know, to the good side. And so uh, I think it's important that we differentiate between bad guys and bad girls and, and villains. Oh, that'll be interesting. I guess we could kind of touch on that as we go through uh, who we feel makes the top 10 list and, um, you know, whether they uh, are truly evil villains or just, as you mentioned, bad, bad guys or bad girls. And, and yeah. uh, a nod to the Mark Grunewald bad girls uh, group that he created too. Yeah. And I would say one last criteria. One last criteria is let's, let's not pick people who are eventual allies right mm-hmm. i mean yeah. sure, there's an argument you could say you know john walker super patriot uh becomes a, the captain america replacement you know but you know come on he's eventually an ally same thing with diamondback same thing with uh, winter soldier right uh yes i could see an argument but um I, for for our purposes eventual allies we're not going to include yeah no, I think that's a wise, uh, wise, uh, a wise filter right there. Okay. So let's uh, before we get into the top ten, you know, there 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 are going to be characters that uh, are close, right? Honorable mm-hmm. mentions, if you will. Yeah. If you're listening through our top ten, and we're going to start at ten and work away to number one, and your your vote for someone isn't in there. Uh, stick around. They may make it into our honorable mentions. We'll go through those after we go through the top 10. Now, before, uh, before we, we get into number 10, um, I, I want to play, we, we, we got a call in and somebody is actually saying uh, why they should be part of this top 10 group. Hello, Sipri. How can you have the least of the greatest foes of Captain America and not include Batroc the Leaper? I am the greatest foe Steve Rogers has ever gone toe-to-toe with. This is known and it does not matter how many times I lose. I am the greatest. Now watch it all as I bound away. Leap, leap. <laughs> shameless shameless self-promotion i would expect nothing less i would expect nothing less from Batrock. awesome uh it, and i could picture because you know that's what he did right when he left in the early uh, issues of captain america he would as he was leaping away he would say <laughs> <laughs> leap <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, shout out to uh, John Waller Sewell. Uh, he he recorded that, and uh, you know, with his apologies to the French everywhere for his <laughs> accent. Um, but uh, and and you know, John's a member of our Facebook group uh, and uh, and listens to the podcast as well. And and you know, the other thing about John, 
Um, he, if you want to check him out, uh, he, he started a few years ago a, uh, a comic anthology called Beautiful, Silly, and Terrible Things. And it's an anthology with different artists, and, and he's one of the writers. So uh, fun stuff there, too. So thanks, John. All right. Now, we actually did get someone call in uh, to explain, state their case, why they feel Batroc should make it in. And so let's, let's go ahead and just let the listeners know, number 10 coming in on our list is Batroc the Leaper. And here is the case from uh, Heath Brown. Hi, this is Heath Brown, and I'm uh, recording this to state my case for Batroc the Leaper to make the list of Captain America's top villains. Now, I know that Batroc isn't necessarily brought up in the same you know, uh, conversations as Thanos or the Red Skull. He's not one of the hyper-powered villains. But this is a normal human, a normal guy who's just so strong and so agile and such a master of savat, which is a French martial art of kickboxing, that he's constantly a thorn in Cap's side. He stands toe-to-toe with Cap. He's defeated Cap on multiple occasions. He even once led uh, a group of villains called Batroc's Brigade to steal Cap's shield. And he's just really been a long-time thorn in Cap's side and always presented a big challenge for Captain America. So that was Heath Brown, uh, who is one of our moderators in the Captain America comic fans Facebook group. So uh, Heath does a great job there. And we appreciate him calling in and stating his case for Batrock. Um, and, and he mentions that he's, uh, you know, just a normal, uh, normal person, you know, but granted he, he does have uh, Olympic level athletic uh, prowess. Uh, apparently his leg muscles are, uh, extremely developed, so capable of, of leaping up to ten feet and a single bound. Um, so he does, he does stand toe to toe, no pun intended, uh, when he when he does fight hand to hand Captain America, and um, you know he has this uh, lower body strength that's that's very impressive. He could kick through brick walls or shatter guns with a foot stamp. Um, so he's uh, he's definitely a, a hand to hand combatant that is somebody that can go up against Cap. So that's interesting. But you know, I think does Batroc fall underneath villain or 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 bad guy here? Yeah, that's a tough call, Rick. You know, I got to tell you, I was surprised he made the list because uh, you know, in, in my view, I think of Batroc as a bad guy. You know, I I wouldn't mind having a beer with Batroc. Uh, you know, he gets involved in some shady stuff. And these days, I think he'd make a lot, a heck of a lot more money as a mixed martial artist, you know, than he does. Because he, he never seems to be able to pull off some of the, the, the capers that he's up to. That's a good uh, thanks. Yeah, you know, but, but I think, you know, and, and you know as well as I do, and we've covered this in some of our previous podcasts, that there's been some occasions where he's done the honorable thing. Uh, so I think, you know, I think he's a bad guy, but uh, I don't know about villain. But I love him. I love the character. Uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, he is that borderline bad guy villain. Uh, he makes, I think, he makes the top ten villain. He is number ten. Um, and you're right. He has switched sides to fight alongside Cap several times. Uh, we pointed this out when reviewing the Bloodstone Hunt in episode three. Um, 
when Batroc came to the aid uh, of Cap against the Sharks. Uh, and he also has occasionally switched sides, uh, fighting with him against Hydra uh, or even Mr. Hyde. Uh, and I think one of the John Byrne issues, Roger Stern issues. Um, but, you know, he, he has done some bad stuff too. I mean, you know, he did um, side with uh, Hydra during the whole Cap Hydra uh, storyline um, and stood idly by while some bad things happened. He didn't, uh, he didn't interfere. Um, so yeah, I, he's, he is an interesting character. Um, the, the Batrox Brigade were, were always kind of interesting too. You know, he, I think the first one had the Swordsman, the Living Laser. Um, then he, he had one with um, the Porcupine and Whirlwind. Uh, then he eventually had one with uh, Zaran and Machete. I think that's what Heath was talking to when he went and tried to go steal the shield. Um, so, you know, he's 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 put himself in in uh, in place where he's been with a lot of villains as well. Um, but, yep, he makes our number ten. And by the way, I forgot to mention his first appearance was uh, way back in March of 1966. So that was uh, before Cap had his own series and he was part of Tales of Suspense. So it was number 75, Tales of Suspense 75 when he came out. So he's, he's, he's definitely in here for having that. Um, uh, That's longevity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So next uh, on our list is number nine. And uh, Bob, maybe, maybe you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. You know, I think number nine on the list is, uh, you know, he's one of those villains who, uh, you know, he hasn't had a lot of appearances, but the appearances that he's had have been pretty seminal to uh, to the Cap mythos. And uh, and I just, every time I, I, I see this guy show up, uh, it's a story that I love. And so it's none other than the Cap of the 1950s, who later, as you know, became the grand director. And ultimately, uh, we we know is William Burnside, although not until much, much later. So this guy, you know, we reviewed uh, the uh, the Captain America story arc where the cap of the 1950s fought, uh, fought Steve Rogers, Captain America. And that was a That was a great arc. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Uh, and that's often considered 153, the first appearance of the cap of the 1950s. But as you know, it's been retcons. Right? So the original appearance if you count the retcon, was way back in Young Men 24, back in the 1950s. But that's not been the only appearance of, uh, of the cap of the 1950s, because he popped up uh, later uh, in, uh, as the Grand Director, as the head of the National Force in uh, issue 231. Now, personally, I thought, well, that, that, was a, that was sort of a weak appearance, because he really came off as a weak pawn of Dr. Faustus. But really where he came into his own, I think, was uh, in the Brubaker Epting run, uh, issues 37 through 40, where with the help of Sharon Carter, of all people, he escaped from Dr. Faustus once again and went toe to toe with, uh, with uh, the Winter Soldier, who uh, by then we knew was Bucky Barnes. But ultimately, it was the uh, issue 602 to 605, the Two Americas arc, that I think where he really became really just a great villain, not because, uh, it, not, on the, not on the level of, say, a Red Skull or some of the other folks that we've talked about, because this guy wasn't necessarily evil. He's just warped. 
Uh, and that warpedness, that brokenness of the cap of the 1950s, William Burnside, is what makes him a great villain because he thinks he's doing the right thing, even as he's doing the wrong thing. And I think that's what makes this guy so, so interesting and what brings him in at number nine on our top 10 villain list. So, Bob, don't, don't most villains think they're doing the right thing? I mean, don't, don't they all see themselves as a, as a hero in, in their own minds that they, they feel like they're doing the right thing? I mean, that doesn't make them any less like villainous, right? Or any, right, you know, right. Uh, I, I think, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned the grad director when he, when he came back as that uh, under Dr. Faustus. Um, you know, I mean, he was essentially leading a, you know, a Nazi white supremacist uh, group. Um, and I don't think that was him being warped. I think that was something that, that he was instilled with when he was in the, back in the 1950s. I think that was part of who his essence was. I mean, it's kind of like saying, well, hey, uh, I'm not really a racist, but, uh, you know, when, when I drink too much, uh, I, I make those kind of jokes. Well, no, yeah, I get it. But, you know, it, it came out um, because it was already there, you know, yeah. so um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I know he was warped in the fact that his, he didn't get the, the Vita rays, right? So, so that was the part of that, that kind of drove them um, insane. But to some of the things that I think makes him villainous, uh, I think we're already there. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, you made several good points there. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I can refute that, other than I would say that I think a lot of villains, uh, they may not necessarily admit that they're doing the bad thing, but I think they would admit that they're doing it for themselves, for their own gain, for their own power, for their own uh, accumulation of wealth, whatever. I don't think uh, Cap of the 1950s, William Burnside, necessarily does it for himself. I think he thinks he's doing it for the greater good. He's just doing it in a warped way. Well, you know, I think a few of the villains that show up on the remainder of our top 10 fall into that same category. They, they think they're doing it for the right reasons. We'll get to that. All right. So that was number nine, Grand Director, William Burnside, uh, the Cap from the 50s. So number eight is, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and let one of our listeners uh, introduce number eight on our list. Hello, my name is Ash. I'm going to voice my thoughts about the top 10 best Captain America villains. Number one for me is definitely Sin. I think she's a very underrated character. She's graceful, evil, and her relationship and partnership with Crossbones is entertaining to read. I personally hope that I get to see more of her in future issues. All right. Well, actually, yeah. That was uh, Ash uh, Hit, but uh, in the Facebook group, she's known as Ash Barnes. Um, so thanks, Ash, for calling in, and we appreciate that. Uh, you bring up a very good point. So yeah, number eight on our list is uh, Cynthia Schmidt, uh, also known as Sin for short. Um, she has been known also as Mother Knight uh, back earlier in the uh, when she was introduced, and she is no other than the daughter of Red Skull. So, um, interesting. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have described her as graceful, uh, but that's a, that's an interesting point of view. I, 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 I didn't think of that. Um, she's also, I mean, she was first, she first appeared back in February of 1984 uh, in Captain America 290. 
and she's had several aliases over the years, Bob. So she's she's uh, been Mother Superior um, uh, during the story where it was um, uh, Fear Itself. She became uh, a character called Scaddy, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, she's been known as the Beast Goddess, the Avatar of Evil, and the Heir of the Devil. So <laughs> I... I, I'm going to go with villain over by a uh, bad guy, yeah. bad gal here. Um, so just a little bit background on, on her. So, you know, back in the day when Red Skull was trying to, to have a male heir, he fathered a, a daughter with a, a washerwoman and the, the woman died a childbirth and, and he almost killed the child because, you know, it wasn't a boy as he was looking for. Um, but uh, one of his followers, someone by the name of Susan Scarbo, convinced him to to not kill the baby and that she would raise the girl herself. And so the, the skull agreed, left the girl, um, Cynthia, to be raised by Scarbo. Um, and, and so uh, Scarbo had uh, indoctrined her into the, the Red Skull view of, of as she was growing up. So the skull then returned. When, when Cynthia was just a child uh, and put her in a special machine that accelerated her aging process until she was an adult and gave her superhuman powers. So now as Mother Superior, uh, Cynthia became the leader of a group called the Sisters of Sin. And it was basically a bunch of young orphan girls who were also accelerated into adulthood and given powers by the Red Skull. Um, and uh, so there was that story that that happened, uh, you know, Mark Grunewald's story early on. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, you know, the Sisters of Sin. Um, eventually, they were reverted to children. And um, later, uh, Scarbo, who, who took on the, the role of Mother Knight, um, reformed the Sisters of Sin and um, took the, the de-aged Cynthia and named her Sister Sin. Um, so... Uh, Cynthia was later captured by S.H.I.E.L.D., um, reprogrammed to a normal American girl with false memories. And um, so when the Red Skull was assassinated by the Winter Soldier, um, he, the, one of the orders was for Crossbones to break into the facility, kidnap Cynthia, and he tortured her to, to break the S.H.I.E.L.D. conditioning. And um, so afterwards, you know, they kind of entered into a relationship and, and Cynthia decided to call herself just Sin. And, then, and the two of them went on this killing spree, right? I mean, she's, she totally is evil, uh, just like Crossbow. Yeah. And uh, just went around and, and killing people. And um, uh, they, make a nice, they make a nice couple, though. They really do. Yeah. You know, later during, uh, during a battle, during a, there was an explosion. And Sin's face was left severely disfigured and scarred, leaving her a red skull appearance. And... Um, he was institutionalized, uh, uh, but of course broke out. At this point, she uh, she's taken the Black Widow, Sam Wilson hostage, um, and then tried to disrupt disrupt the uh, the trial of Bucky, Captain America, um, and uh, demanded Bucky. So she ends up working with Baron Zemo. Um, they retrieve the Book of the Skull. They uh, figure out the whereabouts of a hammer um, that the skull. Uh, basically hid back in 1942 and um, it's, it's a long convoluted story but she you know she the whole fear itself was was 
essentially she was part of that. And um, later on, she teamed up with Zemo to defame when Sam Wilson was the Falcon um, and was you know fairly successful at that. And um, claimed that she was better than the father. She that she was the real and only Red Skull while he was gone. Um, so she's uh, she's been that that thorn in not only Cap's side but all versions of Cap, right? The the Bucky version of Cap, the Sam Wilson version of Cap, and she is she is quite evil uh, as far as um, she she kills without any remorse. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think she qualifies uh, as one of the top ten villains. I think that's a that was a good uh, good selection by uh, Ash. Yeah, and we somehow managed to get Red Skull somewhat back on the list by <laughs> by proxy. Yes. <laughs> okay. So number seven, who do we have? Oh, number seven. You know, I love this guy, the Flag Smasher, Carl Morgenthau, or as he describes himself in issue three forty eight. He is the anti-patriot. Now, uh, I don't know if, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the Flag Smasher story arc, the original Flag Smasher story arc, I think, in an upcoming podcast. But uh, this guy uh, appeals to me uh, because, you know, I like sort of these, these sort of meta-thematic villains that are an antithesis of Cap. And so this guy, he fits that bill in spades. Now, his first appearance was in Captain America 312. And I think that was a one-issue uh, story that naturally ended with his defeat. Uh, but he popped up again in other story arcs from time to time. Notably, I think in 321 and 322 is the head of Ultimatum. Yeah, the underground, liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. <laughs> that, that is awesome, you know. I'm sorry. Can you please spell out the acronym for Ultimatum one more time? Because yeah. I don't know if I'm, I got all of that. Yeah, the underground, liberated, totally integrated mobile army to unite mankind. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, that is an awesome. You know, I worked in government for uh, for decades. You know, it's acronym soup all the time. But that one, that one is is it, it is the penultimate acronym. Yes, uh, ultimatum. I tip I tip my hat because you know Mark he he was a lover of of comics for so long. Uh, I think that was his nod to all the the 60s and 70s, uh, you know, uh, acronyms, you know, SHIELD and MODOK and, you know, all, all right. the team, right? You know, yeah. and, uh, an acronym. So I, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think you know, you know, when he, when he, when he, he was sitting there and that came up in his mind, he had a good chuckle over that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you, if you want to, you want to read some uh, some of the best Captain America speechifying. Uh, it's in the final pages of issue twenty three twenty two when he's uh, he's lecturing uh, Flag Smasher. But uh, but I but I uh, I digress. So anyway, Flag Smasher comes back in issues three forty eight to three forty nine, where he's gone rogue from Ultimatum. Basically, he's he's given Ultimatum his Ultimatum. And he's left because he's discovered that Ultimatum is being financed by who? The Red Skull, right? So there we go. Red Skull makes his way back into the top 10 villain list by proxy. Get rid of him. Yeah. And what does he do? He, try, he, captures, he captures John Walker, who at this point is Captain America, right? And uh, in order to lure 
uh, Steve Rogers at the time, the captain, uh, to his uh, to his amp his Arctic fortress there, where he's uh, he he needs Cap's help, right? There's a, there the Red Skull through the ultimatum is trying to uh, uh, use this electromagnetic magneto pulse generator to wipe out technology. So uh, again, Red Skull can fulfill his plan of taking over society, uh, and I think. You know, issue 348 has some of the best action shots where Flag Smasher is fighting John Walker as Captain America. Uh, 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 any of uh, any action shots. The Dwyer has done some fabulous work there. So, you know, why, why does Flag Smasher uh, deserve to be on this list? And again, it goes back to that meta theme, uh, I, I think. I like the fact that he's the anti-patriot. This is a guy who thinks he's doing the right thing as well. He well, thinks he's, there you go. So I yeah. know brand director we talked about that right yeah right definitely a case of somebody who doesn't think they're evil and that they're doing the right thing yeah he's trying to he's trying to help people and help society uh but he is the antithesis of of cap and he provides a great foil to cap you know because cap stands for for the embodiment of of american principles right i mean that's what he stands for the american dream and and the principles upon which america was founded even if we don't always live up to those principles and we're constantly striving to perfect them, CAP stands for the perfection of those principles. And in that way, the you know, Flag Smasher is different than, say, the 1950s CAP, uh, who was truly the mirror opposite of, of Captain America Steve Rogers in many ways. So, I mean, that's why I think Flag Smasher is such an interesting um, and provocative sort of villain and why I think he deserves to be number seven on our list. Well, you know, when you put it that way, uh, <clears throat> got to say, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Flag Smasher is a pretty nice guy with uh, good intentions if you just take out all the terrorism. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. You know, it's the means to the ends, right? He thinks the ends are great. But, you know, and any means will uh, are, are useful to get you there. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll explore Flag Smasher a little bit more when we uh, in our next episode when we, we re revisit the, those Cap comics. So, yeah. Right. Number seven, that was good. All right, so number six on our list um, is an interesting character. I, I I definitely believe that this person belongs here. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let one of our Facebook members uh, go ahead and state his case on why he feels this person belongs on the top ten list. My vote for the greatest Captain America villain, not named Red Skull, is Viper, also known as Madame Hydra. She first appeared in Captain America 110, February 1969, by Stan Lee and Jim Steranko, 52 years ago, and she still looks great for her age. She's been Cap's adversary numerous times in storylines by great Cap writers like Englehart and DeMatteis. But my favorite, and the one I started collecting Cap reading, was Captain America 341-344 to by Grunwald and Dwyer. In this, she led a coup and replaced Sidewinder as the new leader of the Serpent Society. She led an attack on Washington, D.C. to poison the water supply. This included President Ronald Reagan, who ended up fighting Cap as she escaped. Well, that was uh, from James Foley, again from our Captain America comic book fans Facebook group. So thank you, James, for calling in. And we agree with you that Viper, uh, Madam Hydra, uh, definitely belongs on our top 10 list. And Bob, she's coming at number six. Yeah, I, 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 I got to tell you, I love, I love Viper. Uh, and uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, not least that, um, 
man, have you seen, uh, you know, the way Jim Stranko uh, drew her in Captain America 111? And I, I encourage everyone to turn to, to page five of, of that issue, because that is one of the best splash pages uh, I think I've ever seen. And it features Madame Hydra, Viper, who later becomes Viper, in all her glory. I mean, I'm talking serious ba-ba-boom. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of the Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, but Viper really gives now, Viper gives her a run for her money uh, on that page. Bob, come on. <laughs> so that goes by. I like last episode. You have, did you take a look at that Bernie Rosenthal? <laughs> I'm still a teenage boy at heart, Rick. I can't help it, man. I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah. But seriously, the uh, you know her her uh, her first appearances there in the uh, the Captain America Storenko run uh, issues, uh, you know one ten, one eleven, and thirteen, which Cap and uh, and Rick Jones, you know as as uh, filling in for Bucky, stumble upon uh, Viper at this point, Madame Hydra, and Hydra's New York branch's attempt to poison the city water supply was a, was a, just a just a great story arc, right? And and she was just so deliciously. Uh, evil and dark in in many many ways and so and you know and as James 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 commented on a number of different appearances over the years but I almost hesitate to say this because you just made fun of me but uh, <laughs> you know one of, one of my favorite appearances was in in issue three ninety four back in December nineteen ninety one when uh, you know the Viper returns and uh, and joins Red Skull in a hot tub right and uh, man I just you know like I, there were teenage boys like all over this country including uh, well I wasn't a teenager at that time I was a little older than a teenager but. Uh, but man, oh man, that was uh, that was like wow. She's back and uh, and looking pretty damn good. So um, you know she's she's been back time and time again. And there was a great crossover uh, in uh, in '93 uh, in uh, issue 15 of Silver Sable and the Wild Pack that uh, that crossed over with Captain America 419 to 420. Uh, where uh, Red Skull actually turns his back on her. At that point, she is uh, she's got his financial backing and she's coming up with a great plan. To, uh, to turn everybody, uh, or at least a lot of people in the world, blind through this television broadcast that's going to, uh, to blind them. But even he, at that point, you know, has had enough of her, and she's too nihilist for even his tastes. And so, you know, that's pretty evil when you've got a plan that even Red Skull can't get behind because it, it goes too far. So, uh, you know, I, I think she's, why, I mean, why does she deserve to be on this list? Well, she is an unrepentant evil person. I mean, she is an unrepentant villain in every way. And she just doesn't, she doesn't want to make money. And she doesn't, she's not into fame. And she's really not into power per se. She, she is a nihilist, right? She wants to break down society and return you know, humanity to its original savage state, because she thinks that's the way it should be. I mean, she, she is crazy in every way. And I love it for it. You're, you're, I agree hundred percent. She is She's totally crazy. I mean, I, I, I remember during a, um, when she was in the, the pages of uh, the Demetrius Zek run, and I think it was then, and she, uh, she, she, she killed one of her own member, like one of her own team, uh, yeah. like threw, threw the person down to a pit and, and just the look on her face, you know, of just like uh, how much, evil joy she was getting out of seeing this this member of her own team uh be be slaughtered it, it was scary you know she she totally is a 
It's crazy. She's wacko. Yeah, she is wacko. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was an issue. I don't. I, maybe it was issue four twenty uh, when when you know she's in the broadcasting TV station and Cap finally gets his hands on her and there's this great panel where she is uh, she is lunging forward. It's just it's just their heads and she's lunging forward trying to bite bite them. And, you know, her fangs are extended and he's kind of like got his head, you know, kind of retracted back, avoiding her. I just love that. I love that panel because she is, uh, yeah, she's crazy. Yeah. All right. That was number six on our list. So I'm going to uh, kind of go back here and uh, uh, take a look at this. And so we have number 10 was Batrock. Number nine, the grand director. Number eight, Sin. Number seven, Flag Smasher, and number six, Viper, Madam Hydra. Okay, so now we're, we're here in our top five of Captain America villains not named Red Skull. And so I have here at number five, this one here, uh, I believe, you know, totally belongs. It's underrated. Most, one of probably the most underrated. If, if we did a top 10 underrated Captain American villains, I would say this one would be number one. And in my mind, uh, this is Johan Fenoff, but you may more effectually know him as Dr. Faustus. So uh, Dr. Faustus had um, first appeared uh, back in November of 1968 with Captain America 107. So talk about staying power, right? This, this villain um, was originally introduced back then. And, and it was an actually interesting, interesting story because um, Cap was Cap was having these nightmares about the war, and so he 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 decided to call this newly hired psychiatrist, Doctor Faustus, and and um, Doctor Faustus at that point uh, said, you know what, I'm going to try to to turn Captain America insane, and it was uh, that's where he kind of got his start, the two of them together, um, but he has been along uh, the path and all of some of Cap's greatest defeats and, and, and worst moments, he was there, right? So it, he, in, in issue um, Cap 161 to 162, he, he treated an, an amnesic uh, Peggy Carter and captured also uh, her niece, Sharon Carter, and, uh, and Sharon's parents in, in an attempt to destroy Captain America. And it was a really uh, interesting story. He comes back later, uh, in the issues uh, 232 through 236, um, he, he, as you mentioned, was the creator of the neo-Nazi group National Force. And he, he brainwashed uh, Cap from the 50s, William Burnside, and turned him into the Grand Director to lead the group. Um, he also brainwashed uh, Agent Carter, Sharon Carter, convincing her uh, to commit suicide. Uh, but luckily she survived. Um, he also temporarily brainwashed Cap, um, but uh, he was able to break free thanks to uh, his help from Daredevil. So later on, uh, Dr. Faustus comes back, issue 326. He's allied with the Red Skull, um, and he, he's occupying the mansion known as the Skull House. And in there, uh, Faustus attempts to uh, coerce Cap into committing suicide through use of uh, holograms appearing as ghosts. Um, in volume five, he, he's working as a shield psychiatrist and, uh, which also an employee of Red Skull and he manipulates Agent Carter 
basically increasing uh, Sharon's romantic attachment to Captain America. And then he manipulates Sharon into assassinating Captain America in Captain America number 25, right? Uh, later on in volume five, the grand director was uh, revealed to be alive, and, uh, but he was in Dr. Faust's care and recuperating and um, reconditioned him, sent him to battle the, the cap, uh, Bucky Barnes uh, cap. Um, and uh, after the failure, um, uh, and, you know, he was getting a lot of abuse from Red Skull and Zola. Um, so he kind of withdrew from the project and uh, freed Agent Carter. Um, but uh, uh, he came back during the, uh, the trial of Captain America. And um, he uh, actually... Uh, to get a presidential pardon, he goes in on to uh, test to do testimony uh, in the trial, but he uses his skills to manipulate the prosecutor into attacking the judge. Right. Then later during secret empire, uh, Faustus joined Hydra's high council and uh, helped transform Hydra, uh, you know, and, and helped uh, help them take control of, of the organization and killing Red Skull. Right, and then Faustus later provided his hypnotic skills uh, during a recording of his voice to to mind control Shield's many agents to make it easier for Rogers to take take over and facilitate you know his plan to take over the United States. So he has been behind so many uh, horrible things that have happened to Cap, including his assassination, and he gets no credit. He gets no credit. Um, I would say. I could probably count on one hand how many covers of Captain America Dr. Faustus has been on, right? I mean, he was, he was on um, 161, 192, and 236, and then a couple of others in the background of a montage of, of various Cap villains, like in 600 and, and um, uh, volume five, number 19. But he, he gets no love. And so uh, I know... To some people, it's like, who? When I mentioned Dr. Faustus, but I know for our listeners and many members of the, the Captain America Facebook group, you know, they, they're like, oh, of course, he definitely deserves to be here. And uh, I could see why he would be number five. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy who deserves to be a villain, a villain just for the bad name that he's given the, uh, the uh, science of psychiatry. As a, as a medical profession, right? I mean, this guy has, uh, has broken uh, the Hippocratic Oath I don't know how many times. Uh, but you know, another thing about Faustus is he's not just a big brain. I mean, in the, in the few occasions that I remember that he's engaged in fisticuffs, he's, a, he's uh, acquitted himself fairly well. So he's a tough guy as well, uh, not just a smart guy. True, true. He, uh, you know, he, he has normal human strength, uh, uh, but he, but he is, you know, a big man. He's a big man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So number four on this list, uh, Bob, do you want to to say who who's made it to number four? Yeah. You know, I uh, this is this is a great villain, right? But he's a he 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 confuses a lot of folks, I think, and uh, and and for good reasons, right? Because he has popped up uh, so many times in so many places that it's confusing to know whether he's alive or dead or what the hell is going on. But uh, number, number four on our list, Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. Uh, and I love, I love, I love the Baron. Uh, Strucker is a, uh, an interesting character. And I think uh, 
other than the Red Skull, who, who we're not talking about today, uh, Strucker, at least historically speaking, I think is the oldest villain on our list in terms of this guy has been around a long, long time, right? Yep. Because his first appearance was in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos number five way back in January 1964. So <laughs> I mean, this guy made his appearance a long, long time ago. Uh, so I think uh, for sure that makes him at least the uh, historically the oldest uh, cap villain on our list, if not uh, certainly not chronologically, because some of the other uh, villains uh, have been retconned uh, as being somewhat more uh, distant in the past. So he's this guy's been uh, he, he's been around a long time and he's been a perennial, as we've said, a thorn in the side, not just of Captain America, but Nick Fury. And so his his. Other than his Howling Commandos appearances, his, his really his next big appearance was in Strange Tales 156 to 158, way back in 1967, where the infamous Satan's Claw was uh, first introduced. And it was in that run that uh, his organic body uh, was destroyed uh, for the first time. And so every other time that we've seen him popped up, it's really been his, uh, and this is where it gets a little confusing time, whether it's uh, his consciousness or uh, that has been transferred into LMDs, life model decoys, in many of the other stories, or if it's uh, something else going on, a copy of his consciousness as opposed to his actual consciousness. But he's been in so many titles in so many different places, you know, and we've talked about, uh, we've talked about the Machine Smith arc in a previous podcast where uh, uh, Machine Smith had uh, ginned up a, a, basically a copy of Strucker as a decoy Mm -hmm. uh, to lure Captain America, the, uh, and that, that John Byrne uh, podcast that we did, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun uh, talking about him there. Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was fun, uh, and he he was in he was in the story arc from two seventy three to two seventy four. That was his first actual appearance uh, after his uh, after his uh, demise in Strange Tales uh, one fifty eight. Uh, and that was uh, that was penciled by Zek and written by David Kraft, uh, inked by John Beatty, and uh, and of course colored by Bob Sharon, who we've talked to uh, in a previous podcast. And that's a great storyline, right? Because that starts off with uh, with Cap joining a reunion of the surviving Howler Commandos along with Nick Fury, only to have the Commandos' former CEO General Sawyer kidnapped by Hydra, and it turns out that Baron Strucker in some form anyway, an LMD is, uh, is the Hydra Supreme. And they're trying to steal a B-52 uh, and, uh, and use that as a weapon. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, that's a great storyline. And, and I think one of the, I, a lot of people maybe don't realize this, but there's a great cover to issue 274 that show Cap and Strucker going to blows. And, uh, and if you look carefully at that, it has that same feel as that famous Captain America 350 issue uh, that I know that you love. Um, and uh, it's the same pose, you know, uh, with uh, going blow to blow on the cover. And I, I mean, that's a great. But, you know, Strucker's, he, he's played, a, uh, he's played a, a role in a lot of great stories. And one of my favorite ones is, uh, and a lot of people maybe haven't read this one, but it's a five-issue miniseries from, uh, from 2011 called Captain America Hail Hydra that sort of covers this, uh, this story way back in World War II up through the modern times that show Hydra scientists led in part by Baron Strucker, trying to use resurrected Nazi soldiers, you know. Hmm. Uh, they call them ombies, not zombies, but ombies in this, uh, in this uh, miniseries. 
and use uh, use these resurrected Nazi soldiers as a as a force to take over the world. So it's a it's a great great storyline, and Strucker plays an important role in that. But but you know, Strucker, uh, as I said, he's he's popped up so many times, and he he has such a historical legacy in in the Marvel world that I think he absolutely deserves to be in our top ten list, and certainly in the top five. Yes, uh, I I agree with you, and uh, I know a lot of our Facebook uh, members also agree. Uh, who they've they've put their votes in as well. Um, sorry. So moving along, we've got the top three, top three Captain American villains not named Red Skull. So for our next one, number three, uh, we have uh, Doug Hogan, one of our Facebook group members, uh, called in and stated his case. So here we go. Okay, my choice for top 10 Captain America villains not named the Red Skull is Crossbones, a.k.a. Brock Rumlow. Uh, it's created by Mark Grunewald, first appeared in Captain America Volume 1, number 359. Uh, this guy's proficient in hand-to-hand combat, weapons training. He's a military strategist, a uh, former NYC gang leader. He was trained by Taskmaster. Uh, he even rose to the rank of instructor in Taskmaster School. Uh, he's worked with Hydra, Red Skull. He was trained by the Red Skull in the art of combat. Um, he went from being a bit of a motor mouth to a silent menacing killer under Jeff Loeb and Rob Liefeld in Captain America Volume 2, Number 3. And he went back to his old ways. He dropped the silent menacing uh, just in time for the Civil War storyline. Uh, he played a critical part in the now iconic death of Captain America in Captain America Volume 5, Number 25. He's got a great look. and I think he's one of the top 10 villains of Captain America. All right, there we have it. Number three is Crossbones. Uh, so I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree that he needs to be up there. And um, yeah, and as Doug pointed out, uh, he did make his first appearance at Captain America 359, although it was more of a, a cameo, if you will. He was just in the shadows. Uh, 360 really is known as his first appearance. And then um, he uh, uh, was... He actually, I think he was named finally in 362. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's a great character for many, many reasons. Um, you know, he did mention, Doug uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, he his, his fighting prowess, right? And he was trained by uh, Taskmaster. Um, and he does have, he, he does, actually, his, he, he is augmented uh, somehow uh, with his strength and his durability and his reflexes. So he, he's, he's above and beyond just a normal human. Um, and uh, he, in fact, I think was it during streets of poison um, where daredevil came across, uh, you know, cap and, and crossbones and, and daredevil, you know, using, I guess, his radar sense um, said that uh, the crossbones physical condition um, very much resembles uh to Captain America's so so they they have that ability to be toe to toe as far as in fighting um so you know as far as his strength his durability his speed his stamina his reflexes all of that he's also a, a master martial artist um so he's he's as I mentioned before uh trained extensively with Taskmaster um to the point where as Doug pointed out he was actually made an instructor in Taskmaster's uh, school for criminals and he's an excellent marksman uh, so with whether that's his his trademark crossbow, uh, throwing knives, guns, whatever it is, but you know his his background's a little uh, convoluted, a little interesting um, because it ties very closely with uh, Diamondback, uh, which was um, she was you know her her uh, alias name is Diamondback, but she's Rachel Layton, 
we covered in one of our episodes the 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 bloodstone hunt right and uh, but what happened at the end of the bloodstone hunt was that uh, diamondback was missing right so we we didn't touch on what happened after that but basically uh, crossbones kidnapped diamondback and uh, used her as a as a bait to to trap captain america in madripoor so they had a history and and what it goes back to is so when Rachel was, I think, probably like 15, uh, her, she had a brother, Danny. Uh, he was known as Cutthroat. And, uh, and they had another brother named Ricky. And they, they fell, Danny and Ricky fell into this gang led by this man known as Bing. Well, Bing, turns out, uh, was his nickname, and that was Brock Rumlow. And so uh, Rachel, yearning to be included, uh, she approached Bing alone and claiming she would do anything to join the gang. And uh, so Brock, uh, or Bing at the time, uh, you know, beat up Rachel and apparently uh, raped her. So it, he, so he's not a good guy, right? Not I mean, a good guy. Yeah. No. Uh, and then the, her two brothers came to her, her rescue and assaulted Brock, and he apparently killed them. So that's when he fled to, to go uh, to Taskmaster School and... Um, uh, been there for a while. He then went and led uh, the skeleton crew uh, when he went to to work for the Red Skull. Um, and that happened for a little while. And there were some good stories about that. And then he had a falling out with the skull. Um, he eventually kidnapped Rachel uh, again, brainwashed and tortured her, um, abusing her repeatedly and, and forcing her through a rigid combat training routine. Where So Crossman's forced Diamondback to steal uh, Captain America's uh, blood from the mansion, Avengers Mansion, uh, which had the super soldier serum in it. So they wanted to get that. Um, so he, he returned to the employee of Red Skull and, and the, the skeleton crew. Um, he actually, uh, the skeleton crew had a new leader uh, while he was gone. It was Cutthroat, Diamond Brack's uh, brother, Daniel. Um, and he was plotting Crossbones murder um, and uh, uh, cut, uh, Crossbones just slit cutthroat struggler. Again, not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. Diamondback uh, escaped um, and went to, to his cap and, and the Falcon and, and, uh, and Crossbones was, was in prison. So, but he later, as we mentioned before, um, was uh, broken out and he was part of the whole assassination of of caps, right? He was the sniper while Sharon was the one who was brainwashed by Faustus to shoot him uh, in the background was crossbones as, as the sniper. And so, um, yeah, he's been, he's been around. Uh, he, um, he was then recruited to, to be part of the Thunderbolts led by Luke Cage. Um, he, he then helped sin, as I mentioned before, looking for that hammer of the worthy. Uh, so they were kind of globe trotting around, um, he was uh, later an inmate of Pleasant Hill, which was part of that whole Kobic uh, Cosmic Cube storyline, right? Um, and so he, and then eventually he became, uh, uh, were, he and Sin were part of the uh, charge of the, the super prison that was part of the, uh, the Secret Empire uh, story where, where Hydra was in charge. So they were part of that. So he's, he's been around and uh, he's been a, a true thorn in Cap's side as far as uh, being uh, not only someone who could fight him hand to hand, but uh, part of a lot of uh, the bad parts of, of what happened to Cap in, in some of his, his lowest stories throughout his career. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I can't dispute uh, Crossbones uh, being in the top five of this list. That guy has uh, just not a nice guy, Rick. Just not a nice guy. That's putting it mildly, you know? Yes, I agree. He's he's completely a, a villain uh, and evil uh, to the core of his body and, and yeah. somebody we love reading about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never tire of Crossbones. All right, so number two on our list... Uh, of top 10 Captain America villains, not named the Red Skull. We have uh, Daniel Tenney called in. And, and actually, I want to shout out to Daniel. He's also uh, another one of our moderators and does a great job in the Facebook group. So thank you for that, Daniel. Um, and he states his reason for... Hey, guys. Thanks for the awesome podcast. I just wanted to weigh in on the top 10 cap villains not named the Red Skull. My vote would be for Armin Zola. Uh, not only has Armin Zola been a great villain for many years, um, but he's also created other cap villains like the Hatemonger, amongst others. And he's kept the Red Skull uh, going by providing him with clone bodies that he's used. So the number one cap villain wouldn't be around if it wasn't for Armin Zola. Armin Zola, I think, also represents the antithesis of what cap represents. Whereas Cap uses his power to help others and be selfless and to promote uh, personal liberties, the uh, Armazola um, uses his science uh, for personal gain and greed. Um, so I hope to hear from you guys on what you think about this great Cap villain. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he definitely belongs on the top 10 list and I can see why he'd be number two. Yeah, you know, the thing about Zola is uh, he seems like he's been around an awful long time. And uh, But his first appearance was in Captain America 208 back in April 1977, straight out of the mind of, uh, of Jack Kirby. And, uh, you know, that's, that always surprises me because, uh, you know, he's been – he subsequently, you know, we've read about Zola's uh, exploits during World War II and – and, uh, and, you know, he's been, uh, his story has, has been fleshed out in so many ways. But, but in fact, yeah, he's, he, he's not as ancient as, you know, we would expect him to be in terms of his importance in the Cap mythos. Uh, and, and he's just a fascinating character, right? He's got, he's a PhD, you know, a, 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 he calls himself a biogeneticist. He's really a biofanatic, you know, that's how he's been described. But he's, he's got a PhD in, in genetics, but, but he's also uh, a medical doctor. Uh, an evil one, mind you, but a medical doctor as well. And he's a crazy, uh, like a fox mad scientist. Uh, and, uh, but he's equally adept at uh, many, many different kinds of, of sciences. So, you know, following his early years of experimentation, apparently he got his knowledge, as we've learned subsequently, through an old manuscript that had, uh, had knowledge developed by the deviants back in the uh, ancient days. And this is how he, he got his expertise. But, you know, he started off making little monsters back in World War II and, and caught the attention of, uh, of Hitler and Red Skull and, and uh, Baron Strucker. And it was under their sort of sponsorship that his evil genius eventually bloomed into what we have witnessed in, uh, in subsequent storylines. Um, and you know, we've learned that back in, uh, you know, in Captain America 209, he, he recounted his, his origin story and how he had been frail and weak and he eventually created his own body uh, to replace his organic body. Uh, and that's where that, you know, we see his, his sort of his, his brain embedded in his chest with that sort of uh, uh, visage of his face uh, transmitted on his chest because it's, a, it's, it's safer. It's a, it's a more uh, well-designed body 
uh, more indestructible body for uh, for Zola, as well as his ESP box that can rise in and out of his torso. So I mean, it's it's just a fantastic image. And every time I see Zola portrayed in in in, uh, in these comics, I think, man, this this guy is a wacky guy that would give up his organic body voluntarily because he knows it will. Uh, promote his ability to uh, to carry out his devious uh, schemes much more uh, efficiently and effectively. So, I mean, he's he's been it so many, many times and in so many cap adventures, as uh, as Daniel has mentioned, uh, and he's been so instrumental. Um, you know, he's been in so many storylines, uh, and, and in fact, there's been. I'm sure you're a, you're a fan of, uh, of of Volume Seven, right? The Remender Ramita Junior run. In oh. uh, Dimension Z, right? I mean, that whole that whole uh, volume essentially is uh, revolves around Zola. So, I mean, Zola has popped up uh, almost as many times as Red Skull in uh, in Captain America's many adventures, uh, always adding a bit of uh, of evil genius uh, scientist flair to uh, to the schemes and uh, uh, plans of of the Skull. Uh, and one of the things I really like about the, the sort of the Zola and the Red Skull relationship is that they often bicker like an old married couple. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I love that uh, because Red Skull tolerates Zola because of what Zola brings to the partnership. And, and Zola tolerates, uh, you know, the Red Skull sort of grudgingly because the Red Skull, you know, sponsors Zola's work and gives him the freedom to uh, to pull off uh, some of the crazy, crazy stuff that he wants to pull off. Mm-hmm. So um, you know he's he's had such a he's had a pro, he had a prominent role as you know as as uh, as Daniel mentioned in the Brubaker Epting uh, Captain America run volume uh, volume five as well as in volume six uh, and in the Remender Ramita Junior uh, volume seven uh, in Dimension Z I mean that was uh, Zola was such a central uh, part of that uh, of that run. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I, I know that the Dimension Z. Uh, there, there, you know, there's some people out there who love that story. Some people not so much. Um, I I really respect what Remender was doing for that uh, that story because uh, for many levels, one he he recognized uh, Zola's importance as a, a Captain America villain and wanted to give him prominence as part as, as instead of being this secondary character to Red Skull as you kind of mentioned, right? He's 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 normally been that uh, secondary character where, you know, this, you know, brought him to where he belongs quite frankly, as, as a number one villain. Um, and then of course, I, the other thing I thought was great about that story. And we'll talk about this, maybe another podcast down the, down the line is I, I thought that was a, a great way to bring that whole cap man out of time story uh, back uh, with a twist. And yeah. uh, so that was really cool, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Zola definitely, belongs on this list and i can see why he would be uh here at number two yeah and i think one of the interesting things back in the in the 2016 secret empire run and all the crossovers you know he sat at the table as a member of the hydra supreme council serving none other than hydra supreme himself steve rogers uh which is a crazy twist if you think about it so i mean yeah you know he he definitely deserves to be way up here on the list and uh how could he not be right i mean some of the crazy shenanigans that uh that he's been in but uh but he's also had as daniel mentioned you know had a hand in some uh some interesting creatures and uh other villains that he's helped create along the way right i mean he he uh, preserved hitler's brain and cloned him first as uh, as uh, as nazi x and then as the hate monger uh he was there to help launch hydra 
He's the guy that uh, gave Baron Strucker the ability to transfer his consciousness from one LMD to another. And as, and as uh, Daniel mentioned, he, you know, uh, he's, he's cloned Captain America's body for the Red Skull's consciousness to occupy. I've lost count of how many times he's moved Red Skull's uh, mind around. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't misplaced it at this point. Yeah. And, and, and like how many times has, uh, has Zola helped recreate the Cosmic Cube, right? Right. I mean, this guy, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, this guy's a super genius, but in an evil way. Yeah. And, and, and let's not forget, right? He gave us Doughboy. Uh, which is one of my favorites. Uh, you just gave away the number one villain on the list. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And number one, top ten. Oh <laughs> Red Skull. <laughs> I'll tell you, that guy, I love Doughboy. I don't know about anybody else, but. Uh, uh, the House of Dough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Now let's get to number one, right? And I, I, for all you keeping track at home, Right, we had number ten, Batrock, number nine, Grand Director, number eight, Sin, number seven, Flag Smasher, number six, Viper, Madam Hydra, number five, Doctor Faustus, number four, Baron von Strucker, number three, Crossbones, number two, Arnim Zola, and the number one villain. For Captain America, not name Red Skull. We have our good friend John Waller Sewell, who's going to uh, come back and state his case. Hey guys, this is John Waller Sewell. I want to tell you guys what a great job I think you're doing with this podcast. I'm enjoying it tremendously. And uh, as soon as I saw that you guys were wanting to do a top 10 cap villains, I got to give a shout out to one of my favorite Marvel villains, and especially Captain America villains of all time. That's Baron Zemo uh, 2, Helmet Zemo. Uh, I, I had the uh, LP and, and comic combo for his first appearance where he came back as the Phoenix before he became Baron Zemo fully. Um, and I've just loved that character ever since, and especially everything he's done in uh, making Steve Rogers' life the, the living hell that he can always overcome. So thank you guys. Looking forward to the episode. All right, there we have it. Number one, Baron Zemo. Is there any doubt that he was going to be this high on the list? No, absolutely not. I mean, uh, yeah, Zemo is uh, crazy like a fox too and uh, just integral to to the cat mythos. Right. I mean, as as John pointed out, he he was introduced early on as uh, the Phoenix and that was in Captain America 168. Um, And so... Uh, Helmet Zemo, also known as the 13th Baron Zemo, also known in Marvel comics as uh, Zemo 2. Um, you know, following the death of his father, he took up uh, the title and um, he blamed Captain America and he adapted the guise of the Phoenix in order to, to get revenge and kill Cap. Uh, Zemo was defeated, of course, uh, and he fell into a vat of adhesive X, horribly disfiguring him, which was something. Uh, that his father also was, you know, part of that whole adhesive X thing. Um, he, he was gone. He was gone for a while. But uh, J.M. DeMatteis brought him back in the classic story of Cap 275, 276. Uh, and now Zemo working with Arnim Zola um, and his monstrous creations, he allied with Primus. 
and he kidnapped Steve Rogers' uh, childhood friend, Arnie Roth, in order to learn, lure uh, Cap into a trap. And um, so that was a, a great story. Uh, later on at, in 293 to 297, uh, Zemo uh, encountered uh, Cynthia Schmidt, uh, who at that time was known as Mother Superior. And uh, working with the Red Skull, um, he went under training by Sin and the Red Skull. And uh, again, uh, uh, kidnapped uh, Arnie Roth um, and uh, also uh, kidnapped Captain America's, uh, Steve Rogers' friend, David Cox, brainwashed him. An interesting thing about David Cox was he, he was a pacifist and he uh, brainwashed him to fight Captain America. So, uh, that was, you know, just a horrible twisted mind uh, of, of Zemo there. But, you know, he may go down as, as becoming a real hated villain in the pages of the Avengers. So there is this story in Avengers uh, 273 to 278 where uh, Zemo uh, tried to take over the world and take revenge on Captain America. Um, but uh, this, this particular scheme, he, he wanted to recreate his father's team of supervillains known as the Masters of Evil. And, and he uh, basically, with the Masters of Evil, succeeded in taking over the Avengers mansion. And, um, and, and taking over, uh, you know, against the, the Avengers. And it was basically giving them one of their, their most serious defeats. And uh, there's this one scene where Zemo is gloating over a captured cap who is forced to watch as Mr. Hyde just beats up Edwin Jarvis, leaving him hospitalized for weeks and a blind in one eye for months. Um, and, and also destroying uh, Cap's footlocker, which contained all of his most sacred personal possessions. Um, so, uh, and, but Cap, of course, uh, ultimately overpowers Zemo and, and wins the day. And as a side note, later on, a repentant Baron Zemo uses the power of uh, the twin moonstones to travel back in time and re reclaim the footwacker, foot, footlocker before its destruction returned it to Cap. This was in Thunderbolts, but uh, he's been around for a while. And um, one of the stories uh, in Cap 431 to 434 he married uh, this baroness uh, and a woman who once claimed to be a reincarnation of uh, Henrik Zemo. And the two lived in this castle Zemo and, and they, they took in these 25 children who they deemed worthy and adopted them into the home. And these were basically abducted children uh, and raised them, brainwashed them. I mean, these, just, these are screwed up people, right? Um, uh, Diamondback eventually helped Cap, uh, you know, beat them and free the children. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's just story after story after story of Zemo um, coming back. Uh, he, uh, gosh, I want to say in issue 609, he um, worked with uh, uh, the Red Skull's uh, ex uh, exiles, uh, this guy by the name of Jurgen Hauptmann, and uh, this new female beetle and the fixer. And, and basically exposed the, the, that Bucky Barnes uh, was the Winter Soldier. And so created that living hell for, for Bucky and, and what happened from there. And then I mentioned before, he worked with Sin during Fear Itself. Um, in volume six, he teams up with um, Codename Bravo to kill Cap um, and, uh, 
and allies with the Hydra Queen to found a, a new Hydra. Um, he he battles. Uh, he's he's got a, a major story with he battles uh, Sam Wilson when when he was Captain America, um, and then also. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, he was very important to the uh, Hydra Captain Captain America storyline. So he has been around for quite a long time, uh, quite a history with Cap, and um, he absolutely uh, deserves to be number one on this top ten list. Uh, that is not Red Skull. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. In fact, that he was. I think uh, like. I, I hesitate to use this uh, this this phrase, but I think he was like best friends with Hydra Cap, uh, and they seemed very close. Yeah. So, uh, which is not a good sign. No, they were kindred spirits. Yeah. So. All right. So that's the top ten list. So let's talk about those who maybe made it as an honorable mention. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Bob, as promised, we're going to talk about some of these uh, characters, these villains that you know, or honorable mention. They, they, so they, these are characters that, uh, you know, could, there's an argument, there's an argument for them to make it into the, the top 10. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, they didn't for us. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think we got to be upfront here, man. I think, you know, we've been sort of referring to these guys as honorable mentions, but there's nothing honorable about them, right? We got to call them dishonorable mentions. Uh, I, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Put it, yeah, perfect. Yeah. So, you know, first up on uh, first contribution here, I think that I want to uh, throw out there is uh, is William Lomer, the, uh, the, lurid, the lurid Nietzschean nightmare. I mean, we're talking the original Nazi Ubermensch or Overman, uh, the uh, master man himself. Yeah. yeah. I, I got a thing for Master Man. Uh, not as much. I know you're going to laugh at this. Not as much for Warrior Woman. But, <laughs> <laughs> but mas- Master Man for sure. <laughs> that, right? You gotta... That's right. That's right. So, you know, Master Man had his first appearance in Giant Size Invaders back in March 1975, created by Roy Thomas and Frank Robbins. And that issue was inked by uh, Vince Coletta. But it's uh, it's a you know I, I just I love the guy and he's you know he's popped up every now and again, and uh, you know the thing I, I find fascinating about Master Man is you know he his origins were well, you know they're not too far off from from Steve Rogers Cap himself right mm-hmm. I mean Lomer was a he was a sickly ninety eight pound weakling too, but uh, you know the difference was uh, he was uh, he was sent over here by Hitler to uh, help like found found these uh nazi bund organizations in america mm-hmm. and uh and that's the kind of interesting thing about uh about, about master man was that you know he wasn't you'd assume he was created in the laboratories over in berlin but he wasn't he was created in a laboratory here in the united states mm-hmm. by the brain drain who stole some of the the the, the super soldier formula notes and tried to recreate it with uh, with Lomer, and uh, so you know he uh, in that in that first issue that giant size invaders, 
they create them and they send them out to, uh, to take out a U.S. battleship in the uh, Chesapeake Bay Harbor. And of course, the invaders show up at the very last minute to, uh, to stop him, uh, just in the nick of time. Uh, so, you know, he may have been defeated by the invaders in his initial outing back in Giant Size Invaders, but he popped up again in Invaders 20 and 21, where he and his, and I dare say it, his hot, though not entirely loving wife, <laughs> warrior woman, Julia Koenig, you know, uh, fought the invaders uh, uh, again. Mm -hmm. So, he, you know, he's gone up against uh, the Liberty Legion and the Thing and Marvel 2-in-1 Annual 1 and Marvel 2-in-1 uh, number 20. And he had a pretty uh, critical role in that uh, four-issue miniseries, Black Panther, Captain America, Flags of Our Fathers, which is a sort of a flashback uh, adventure of Cap back in World War II, heading into Wakanda with Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos to stop the Red Skull, Von Strucker, and Master Man from uh, plundering Wakanda's vibranium reserves. So that was a great, uh, great story as well. Hmm. And... Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's another story out there. It's really it's it's uh, it's it's unclear if it's part of uh, Masterman mythos because uh, he dies in this particular story. But that's not the only time he's died uh, in 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 the Marvel uh, you know in Marvel stories. But Marvel Comics presents one twenty three tells a really interesting interesting story about uh, the end of uh, Masterman's life and his uh, self-loathing and regret at, uh, at what, he, uh, what he did for the Nazis. So uh, he's an interesting guy. Uh, and I think, you know, those Invaders tales and uh, the, the Marvel 2-in-1 tales, I think, are some great, great uh, villain stories. So for that reason, and for his wife, we've got to get him on the dishonorable mention list. Okay. Well, you know what? I, you certainly know a heck of a lot more about Master Man than I do. Uh, so I'll, I'll have to take your word for that. Uh, and maybe I'll check out some of those stories that you mentioned because, uh, you know, it's always fun kind of uh, reading some about some, some nasty villains of Captain America and, and learning some new ones. So I, I admit, don't know much about them. So I'll bow to you on this one. All right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, another one that should be on these uh, dishonorable mention list, and, and this one um, is actually a Stan Lee and Jack Kirby creation, uh, going all the way back to 1967 in Tales of Suspense 93. And for those uh, who know their Silver Age Marvel comics, you know I'm talking about MODOK. Now, MODOK is an acronym as we had talked before about uh, those acronyms back then, right? And the, uh, this one was the mental organism designed only for computing. And that's with the C at the end, but uh, eventually became MODOK with a K, which was a mental organism designed only for killing. So uh, if you don't, I mean, how do you not know this character? You know, they've, they've made fun of this character for so long uh, because he's, he's goofy looking, right? He's just this big giant head with these little arms. And he like flipped, a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's, he's ugly and he's, I mean, you know, the story behind this, this character is that it was uh, this guy by the name of George Tarleton and he worked for AIM, which is another acronym for Advanced Idea Mechanics. And he joined the team to, to work on the Cosmic Cube. And, uh, but he was mutated into a human computer by the Scientist Supreme. And they gave him this brain to give him superhuman intellect uh, with a um, 
but it ended up being this massive cranium, right? It was just too much for his frail body. So he was placed in this life support unit, dumb, uh, dubbed the uh, doomsday chair. And, um, and it gave him a lot of psychic powers. Uh, and, you know, he, uh, he went on to, to use these new found powers to take control of AIM uh, that had experimented on him. So, um, you know, as far as the longevities, uh, you know, criteria. He certainly meets that by, you know, by a long shot. But I don't know. He's just too goofy. I mean, he gets made fun of too much uh, to to really be taken seriously. Uh, so, and, and I'm not even going to go into the female counterpart of Modam. Uh, but um, yeah, so that's why uh, didn't make the top 10 list. But, you know, hey, it's a Stanley Jack Kirby creation uh, that, yeah, you know, very memorable character. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I've never been a really big fan of Modoc. You know, I've kind of well, often just wanted to skip over those issues. But you know, I picked up the. They've got a new a, a new title that just came out recently. Uh, Modoc Head Games, and uh, or Head Trip, I guess, or something like that. I um, what is it? Uh, I don't know. But you know, I picked up the first issue because uh, it's written in part by uh, Patton Oswalt, the the actor and comedian. Yeah, and it's you know it's. It's a hilarious, uh, it's a hilarious uh, title now. And uh, it's really kind of fun to just, uh, just read for the fun of it. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'll check it out. Cause I love Patton Oswalt. I think he's hilarious, but there you go. He's not being taken very seriously. So yeah, well, true. Firstly for the top 10 list. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, man, I, I think, you know, I'm going to throw one out there that uh, another, another one of those crazy guys that seems to keep popping up every now and again. Uh, and you know him as Adolf Hitler, but we know him as the hate monger. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I love the hate monger, man. Just that costume uh, with the purple hood and, you know, the hate ray gun. I mean, how can you not, how can you not, <laughs> it, how can you not love that guy, right? So first appearance back in Fantastic Four, 21, right? That's back in December 1963. So, I mean, that was a long time ago, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. All right, so, uh, you know, it's a long, sad story, but uh, Arnim Zola, of course, uh, once again involved in, uh, in, in essentially energizing Hitler's brain shortly before he died at the hands of the invaders, uh, Human Torch and Toro, the original Human Torch, mm-hmm. and allowing Hitler to, to be able to psionically transfer his mind into a cloned brain. And over the years, you know, Zola has helped him uh, create a number of different bodies. And so that first appearance in Fantastic Four 21 as the hate monger uh, down in San Gusto, a country in South America, where he tried to, uh, to create a revolution using his hate ray gun. And uh, Fantastic Four with uh, Nick Fury helping them out, you know, managed to put a stop to that. But in the process of doing that, Hate Monger accidentally fired his hate raid gun at two of the guys that worked for him, and they turned around and shot him dead. But you know, and you think every time you say hate raid gun, <laughs> and you think that would be the end of it, but no, because he can psionically transfer his conscious, he continued to do that a number of times, about six times from my count. But of course, he showed up for the first time in in Captain America two hundred eight to twelve. That was that was Arnim Zola's you know first appearance in in the Marvel comics, and in that was in that story he was Nazi X. Remember that guy with the uh, the brain in a robot body, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Zola was going to transfer transfer that consciousness into Cap's body, but uh, fortunately Cap wiggled out of that one at the last minute, and he's he showed up again, uh, uh, old uh, 
old hate monger has showed up again in Nick Fury in a couple of the tales, 9, 10, and 11. Wait, and he popped. hold on. Did he have his hate ray gun? He had the hate ray gun, and he even popped up, of all titles, in Creatures on the Loose, number 35, back in May 1975. So just a great guy, but a great guy. Yeah. Guy, get up, yeah. Hitler. <laughs> He's like, my, this misunderstood. <laughs> he really is. He really is. You know, he's got ambition. But you know, I think the best story was, and I love, I love this title, the uh, the, the supervillain team up series from uh, yeah from the late 1970s. I, I mean, just a great, great title, right? Yeah. And then the issues, issues 16 and 17, uh, Red Skull and the Hate Monger were trying to reconstitute with, of course, Zola's help, the Cosmic Cube. And, uh, and the hate monger transferred his consciousness into the cosmic cube, thinking this was going to give him ultimate power and uh, make him the, the primo villain. And Red Skull outfoxed him and got him trapped inside that uh, somewhat imperfect cosmic cube. And then, to the hate monger's, uh, I'm sure, utter disappointment, Red Skull just kept that cosmic cube around as sort of a little knickknack on his shelf with that of Hitler. I mean, I, lo- I love that. Um, good old Red Skull. He became primo uh, villain after pulling that uh, fast one on Adolf Hitler. So, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's continued to be around uh, again and again. And Hatemonger popped up again in Captain America Volume 3, 26 and 27, where he went so far as to desecrate Cap Shield by painting the swastika on it. So, I mean, come on. You know, that's, that's just a really a, a kick in the pants right there. So I don't know. You know, I think this guy, uh, he, he definitely deserves a dishonorable mention. He, he's been around a long time. He's got some staying power. And of course, when you can transfer your consciousness, why wouldn't you stay around for a while? So definitely one of my picks. Ah, oh, okay. Where do I start? Okay, I'm just going to start by saying Adolf Hitler, right? I mean, I get that it was the 60s. I get that it was, you know, 20 some years after World War II. And uh, it was an easy pick to to. If you're going to come up with the worst villain of all time, the scariest villain of all time, you're going to go with Adolf Hitler because he was, he was real. He was absolutely. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to have to say, yeah, definitely not a top 10. Not a top 10, but definitely not worth mentioning. Yeah. 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 It certainly it had its place in the history of the Marvel universe uh, just like a lot of things that were, you know, we look at now and say, oh, it's very dated. Um, but they, they, it had its place. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone's timeless like Doughboy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So next, uh, we actually had someone call in for this one. And um, so this is a, uh, one of our Facebook members, uh, Seth Talley. And he called in because uh, there was somebody he thought should make the top 10 list. Hi, Rick and Bob. This is Seth. And for my nomination for the top 10 cap villains not named Red Skull, it's got to be number one from The Secret Empire from Steve Englehart's run. I mean, you find out that the head of The Secret Empire is literally the president of the United States. It shatters Cap for a little bit, literally making him create Nomad as a persona so he could still help people along the way because he was so shook at the time. Uh, I do not know how you can even fathom having a list of Cap's top villains without talking about number one from The Secret Empire. 
Ooh, yeah. Well, uh, and, and a shout out to Seth Talley. Uh, by the way, he, if you want to check him out, he, he actually uh, did a comic book called Dalrock the Mighty. And it's D-A-L-R-A-K, the Mighty. Um, it's a self-published, uh, smaller, uh, independent book, but it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, sorry, Seth. Uh, uh, number one is not in the top ten. Technically <laughs> speaking. <laughs> it's a paradox, but that's... Ten. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I totally get, um, you know, that he did something really impactful that a lot of villains, even villains in our top 10, maybe didn't even do where he beat Captain America in such a way that he was so disillusioned by the betrayal of America's commander in chief that he did. He abandoned being Captain America for a time and became nomad. That is something you definitely have to tip your hat at and say, yeah, wow, he did achieve that. Um, I, I think where I guess he doesn't make it in the top 10 for me is, you know, that criteria of longevity, right? Uh, I mean, he was introduced back in 1972. Uh, and this was Steve Englehart's creation when, back when he was writing um, Amazing Adventures, um, volume two. And he created him um, as this uh, hooded, uh, hooded man who was trying to overthrow the government by capturing mutants and, and taking their mutant power and, and channeling it to this weapon, which, you know, uh, basically all the mutants were hunted, you know, during that time. So it was a very cool story. And then made it over into, you know, the secret empire uh, in the pages of Captain America, because again, Steve Englehart was writing that as well. Um, and, you know, his, his death was in uh, mid-1974. So he didn't even last two years. Um, and, uh, you know, while it was never said that it was Richard Nixon, Steve Englehart uh, had said later in interviews that, yeah, it was basically Richard Nixon. So, um, yeah, he, he, he deserves to be mentioned totally in the dishonorable mentioned because uh, of what what he did that really just discouraged uh steve rogers yeah yeah and i agree with that i agree with that we gotta just definitely throw a bone out there to number one but uh, yeah he, he doesn't rate in the top 10 but definitely deserves a dishonorable mention yep yeah so i, I got one for you uh rick and uh this is this is gonna i think this is gonna you know this is gonna blow a lot of minds but because uh, i know this is a controversial one and uh, and i'm talking steve rogers but i'm not talking our steve rogers i'm talking hydra supreme steve rogers oh. that guy deserves a dishonorable mention so uh yeah, you know, his first appearance was in the uh, Captain America Sam Wilson series, number seven, written by Nick Spencer. And, uh, you know, that's where he kind of pops up, uh, but not until Steve, Captain America Steve Rogers, number one, and, you know, these were back in 2016, did he introduce himself with those unforgivable words, Hail Hydra. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the utterance heard around the world, right? I mean, that caused a lot of uh, gnashing of teeth. It did. It totally rocked the the comic world and, and made, actually, uh, you know, it made the news. Yeah, a lot, a lot of different places covered that, uh, that announcement. So, you know, he's the, he's the central antagonist in the story that cap, cap lovers either, either love or hate. 
Uh, I mean, it's a complicated switcheroo where the sentient cosmic cube, Kobik, swaps out the prime Steve Rogers with one from an alternate timeline that has been rewritten to conform to Red Skull's vision for how the world should have unfolded after uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. And that entire sordid uh, tale takes place in the 10-issue Secret Empire miniseries and several crossover arcs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the first time we see him in dress uniform is, as Hydra Supreme is in Captain America Steve Rogers number 17, but his battle uniform in Secret Empire number 9, and that uniform is infused with the power of the cosmic cube, is, is really an unforgettable uh, splash page. I, that, I mean, that one really takes the cake. But in, in number 10, Secret Empire number 10, that's, that's where that tale ultimately concludes with that battle between our Captain America, Steve Rogers, and Hydra Supreme to determine who, in fact, is worthy. Uh, and, you know, we know, who, we know how that one turned out. So now this, this, this Hydra Supreme cap eventually met his end or did he, at the hands of Celine in the current run of, uh, of Captain America, issue eight. So I don't know if we'll be seeing him again. Last time I saw him, he was, uh, he was being melted uh, and, his, and with blood coming out every orifice and pore. So I, I don't know if we're going to see him again anytime soon, but you never know. Um, anything's possible in the Marvel Universe. So does he deserve to be a dishonorable mention? I think just the fact that he's, he causes so much hate and discontent among Cap fans is reason enough for the mention. Yeah, definitely. I would say can be mentioned. Um, he, yeah, and he, you know what? He'll be back. You know, I don't know how soon, but he'll be back. Some, some writer will come along and say, hey, you remember that guy? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and bring him back with some, some amazing story. I mean, you know, Engelhart brought characters back. Uh, Brew Baker brought brought characters back, so he'll be back at some point. Uh, yeah. I'd say he he's a dishonorable mention, um, and he didn't make my top ten list. Uh, and maybe maybe the the you know not only for the longevity part of the criteria, uh, but you know what we we already got William Burnside on the list. You know we already have a another version of Steve Rogers on the list. Um, I don't know if there was place on there for two. Uh, right, right. And uh, yeah, and, and, and God knows when we, when we t- post any of the issues in the, the flashbacks on the Facebook page, uh, the, the amount of, of uh, disdain that, uh, that that story got, um, I, I know uh, we should just move on. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, so I, I got one for you uh, that I, I, I struggled with this one for a few reasons, but, um, you know, back in the, in the early 80s, um, actually, eh, maybe mid-80s, uh, there was this new villain that was going around and would kill uh, uh, other villains, other bad guys even, and um, would finish, uh, finish it with saying, justice is served. yeah i love that catchphrase scourge and the thing about scourge was now now scourge actually i think the first appearance was was actually in an iron man uh back in 1985 but very quickly made it over to uh grunwald brought the character over into captain america but there was more than one scourge right i mean they they wore these long white trench coats 
uh, with a white uh, skull mask and a, and a big old white hat. Yeah, kind of look like that. Remember the the Mad versus Mad spies in Mad Magazine? Yeah, you look like that guy. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, without the pointy nose. But yeah, right. uh, yeah. So um, that was you know it, it was a it was really cool back then in the eighties, right? Because uh, there were there were some of these I won't even call them B list. I mean, these were C and D list characters that um, that had been established, and they were sitting around. No one was using them. Mark Grumold said, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> and, uh, and Scourge of the Underworld would go around and he killed a, a bunch of these uh, C and D-less characters. And so it, it, it got your attention. It definitely got yeah. your attention. But then, but then uh, you know, a Scourge uh, would die. And then there would be another one they would take its place. So I think the, uh, and this was back in the, in, in the issues of cap, uh, I'm going to say 317 through 320. Um, that was the first story. And then uh, there was like an issue 347 was scourge three, uh, but scourge two appeared in like issue 362. I mean, it was, you know, it got a little confusing after a while, but uh, there were a bunch of them. So I guess that's why I, I, I didn't want to add it to the top 10 list because it almost fell underneath the, a group, you know, uh, you know, like a watchdogs or, or something like that um, because there was more than one of them, but definitely I thought uh, needed to be in the dishonorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely worth mentioning. He, he's been around enough that uh, he, uh, he, he rates it. Yeah. All right. I think All right. We got one more and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. One more that we feel uh, is a, a, a pretty good cap villain, uh, but didn't deserve to be in the top 10. Who, who do you got? Yeah, you know, and I hesitate to even call him a villain, but uh, you know, I, you know, he's he's done enough damage that I think he definitely conser- deserves consideration. And I'm talking Frank Simpson, aka Nuke. Uh, now, you know, I know a lot of guys, you know, don't like Nuke. Uh, maybe some guys don't think he is uh, villain material, but you know, he's he's done some crazy stuff. Now, his first appearance was in Daredevil two thirty two uh, two thirty two back in July nineteen eighty six. You know, he was created by Frank Miller and David Matsuchelli. And he's, he's a bit of a, he's another one of those sort of super soldier sort of spinoffs, the guys that didn't quite make the cut, didn't quite work out in some way. And he's kind of, uh, he's been described as a partial cyborg and he's got this subdermal uh, mesh under his skin that allows him to deflect bullets. He's got a second heart. That allows him to uh, to to have you know increased stamina, so you know he can go toe to toe with with Cap pretty well. Um, but here's the cool thing about uh, about Nuke, right? He has these uh, these different colored pills, these red, white, and blue colored pills. Give me a red. And, uh, yeah, give me a red. Right? Yeah, everybody knows that that phrase, right? So the red uh, sort of amps him up, right? And then uh, and then he's got the, the he's got the white pills, which sort of counteract whatever the previous pill that he's taken, and then the blue pills sort of chill him out and relax him. But you know, it was it was revealed in you know a subsequent storyline that those are just placebos; they don't actually have any effect whatsoever on on Nuke. So it's all sort of a psychological effect. So this guy is 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 cracked psychologically speaking. So, but you know, it was in his appearance in issue two thirty three of Captain America where Cap has that famous line, "I'm loyal to nothing but the dream." Yeah, uh, and that's in that you know that sort of uh, dialogue with uh, with Nuke. So Nuke is, uh, he's briefly mentioned in Captain America 333 when uh, at that time, General Hayworth is discussing 
some of the more recent attempts to replicate the super soldier process. And apparently the first of those attempts was, was Nuke. And he talks about the sort of Nuke story that unfolded back in Daredevil. And he refers to a second uh, failed experiment, a guy by the name of G.I. Max, who was accidentally shot and killed by his own commanding officer back in issue 331. So that was the previous issue. Um, so, uh, but the story I think that sort of endears Nuke to me as a, a dishonorable mention is in volume seven of Captain America, issues 11 through 14, uh, where Cap goes toe to toe with, uh, with Nuke. And where you know, in uh, issue 14, he has perhaps one of, one of the best Captain America speeches of all time, where he talks about the, the fact that he himself is an immigrant and uh, you, know, you don't need to be afraid of foreigners. And that, and that, uh, that cover, of, of uh, issue number 12 in this run is, uh, is just out of this world. I think one of, the, one of, the, one of my favorite Cap uh, covers with him in uh, Nuke duking it out on, on the cover. So, so I mean, I, you know, a lot of folks may not think of Nuke as a villain per se, but uh, I think he's, he's, he rates a, a dishonorable mention for sure because uh, every time I see him, I enjoy the interaction between Cap and Nuke because they do represent different sides of the patriotism coin. Right. Yeah, you know it's interesting uh, as far as adding him to to the list. I I'm a, a big Daredevil fan, as as you you may know, and uh, he's my my number two, uh, you know, up to Cap. Um, and I I really loved that story where he was introduced uh, with by Frank Miller and and David Mazzucchelli. Um It was a great story, and and Cap shows up at the end of that story. Mm -hmm, yeah, and so I, I when I see. Um, Nuke, I, I still think of him as a, uh, somehow I associate him with Daredevil, but I, but I get that he's more associated with Cap now, you know, kind of like uh, because of the, the military uh, super soldier type of uh, background. So I, I could see where, where he would be someone that uh, may be up for consideration, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, not, not a top 10, but, but a dishonorable mention. You know, what, I think one of the things I, I, I liked about Nuke is that uh, I think Cap honestly feels bad for him, right? Because Cap, Cap's like a, he's, he's like a big brother, father figure uh, to you know, soldiers, right? I mean, he has a soft spot in his heart for soldiers. And Nuke has just been a guy that has been abused and twisted. And I think every time Cap beats the crap out of him, I think he feels bad about it. Yeah. Well, uh, that was fun uh, talking about uh, the dishonorable mentions and, of course, our top 10 list. So we want to hear uh, from, from the listeners. What do you think? Do you think uh, we nailed it with our top 10? Uh, did we get the uh, not only the top 10 right, but did we get the order correct? Uh, do you feel that any of the dishonorable mentions should have made the top 10? Or did we forget somebody? Uh, did we, we leave somebody out? Uh, I know that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, Tumblr fans out there. So, uh, let's, uh, you know, talk about villains. Um, next episode, we are going to, uh, review, uh, Flag Smasher's origin in, uh, Captain America 312. And then the, uh, follow-up story, which is 321, 322. So we'll cover those three issues by Mark Grunewald and get into the origin and uh, early stories of Flag Smasher, uh, because we do think he's a pretty interesting character and, and, and uh, also is, uh, is going to be involved in the upcoming uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier Disney Plus series. So uh, we'd love to get, you know, some more information on that. 
So that about does it. I uh, just want to remind everybody, please, uh, if you are on Apple, uh, please rate the podcast. Uh, please give us five stars and drop a review. And uh, also, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen, uh, even though we, uh, you can always count on us having a new episode out every Wednesday, New Comic Day. Um, but we do appreciate your help uh, with the, the rating, the reviews, subscribing, and, and helping grow the podcast. It means a lot. So as always, Bob, it's, uh, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. Yeah, it's been a ball. I mean, this is, uh, it's been great to think about some of these characters that we haven't thought about perhaps in years and, uh, and struggle with uh, who belongs on the list and who doesn't. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what, uh, what the listeners thought. Yep. All right. Well, I'm Rick Verbanis. He's Bob Lucius. And we'll catch you next episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. Thank you.